Hi, everyone. This is Frank Fear, and you're listening to Joey P. and Frank, NFL Week 18 edition, the last weekend of the regular season. Well, Joe went 3-2 and two last week. He was 10-5 and five over the last three weeks. And last week, just like many of you and also myself, he was surprised by the Bengals topping the Chiefs in Cincinnati and Arizona, taking care of the Cowboys in Dallas. But Joe was spot on with Tennessee ending the Dolphins' seven-game winning streak. Joe is ready to make his picks for Week 18, and here are the games that he'll be discussing uh, and picking in order of discussion in the program that follows. He'll start with Buffalo, New York Jets, move on to New England, Miami. Third will be Las Vegas, L.A. Chargers. Fourth, Indianapolis, Jacksonville. And as always, we'll close with the Ravens, this time, Pittsburgh is visiting Baltimore. With that, here's Joe Platania. Well, thank you very much again, Frank. And uh, it's hard to believe that we're into a new year and the end of the old uh, football season, the season 102 in NFL history. It's week 18 for the first time ever. Ironically enough, 18 teams still have a mathematical shot at Super Bowl 56. There are five teams going for the last two spots in the AFC, two, two teams for the last spot in the NFC uh, playoff spot drama, which is what the NFL always wants, which is why since 2010, and this year is no exception, all the games in the final weekend are within the divisions. A lot of fans still haven't really caught on to that, amazingly enough, but that's why all the games in the final weekend, and for some teams, the final two weekends are within the division. That way the playoff spot drama can be maximized. So uh, with a, a lot of teams playing out the string, a lot of teams, uh, having something to play for, uh, facing that dilemma. Do we rest our guys? Do we play our guys? Uh, every game has some kind of meeting to somebody, maybe not in the national picture, but at least to everybody's local fan base. So why don't we just get on after it? Very good, Joe. First of all, let me say, and I know I speak for the fans too, uh, you sound better and you're doing better after, uh, I shouldn't say after, but you're still uh, battling COVID and that's, uh, that's good news. Well, yeah, as you said many times, I grew up near Buffalo, and uh, Buffalo uh, looks like it's going to win the AFC East. And the first game we want to talk about is Buffalo and the New, New York Jets. So uh, I'll turn it back to you. Yeah, usually I wouldn't focus on a, a game involving the New York Jets, but I'll tell you what, uh, occasionally this year they've uh, – They've uh, surprised a few people, the, the Jets, uh, the, I mean, the Bengals and the Titans among them nearly knocked off the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers before Tom Brady worked his late magic. But uh, Buffalo has a chance to nail down the division title with a home win over the Jets. And on the surface, that sounds like it would be a rather, rather easy thing to do. Uh, but then again, like I said, the Jets can can surprise a few people. So Josh Allen is going to need his arm and his legs to, to uh, help pull this win off. He's got, he's got six rushing touchdowns this year, and he's joined one other player, some guy named Cam Newton, as the only quarterbacks ever with uh, at least five rushing touchdowns in each of their first four seasons in the league. And he'll need his arm. Uh, and Stefan Diggs on the other end, Dawson Knox, he'll need his running game to uh, kind of resurrect itself, and he'll need his legs too uh, to uh, hold off the Jets. 
Uh, he has uh, Allen also has 100, 101 touchdown passes, 31 rushing scores, and he's the first player in the history of the league with at least 100 touchdown throws and 30 rushing touchdowns in his first four seasons. Lamar Jackson never did that. Michael Vick never did that. So Josh Allen ready to top off uh, another fine season and hopefully for the Buffalo fans' sake, nail down the AFC East title by holding off the Jets. Uh, I do have the Bills winning this game, but I do think the Jets are going to uh, show their mettle. And uh, Robert Sala was a very highly touted head coaching candidate before he got the Jets job. His cupboard was a bit bare his first year, but I have a feeling the Jets are going to make a little bit of noise in uh, the years to come. Yeah, you've got this game 16 to 7, a close game. Uh, Staying in the division, uh, the Bills rival, uh, New England, playing the surprising Miami Dolphins. They reeled off that uh, seven-game winning streak, uh, lost last week. Uh, and I know what your analysis is of this game, and I don't want to steal your thunder. So uh, you talk about New England and Miami. Yeah, New England gets to finish up in the warmth of Miami. A strange season the Dolphins had. They got off to a horrible start, uh, beat the Ravens on a Thursday night game, and that seemed to propel them into a seven-game winning streak. I think they're the first team to lose seven in a row and win seven in a row in the same year. Quite the roller coaster there. And for a while, they held the seventh and final AFC playoff seed, but then they came up very, very small against the Tennessee Titans, and uh, that uh, summarily eliminated them from the uh, the playoff race. But uh, the Dolphins can play a bit of a spoiler here because the Patriots, if they win and Buffalo loses – they can uh, reassume what they feel is their rightful place atop the AFC East. But uh, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough thing for the Dolphins uh, to get their energy back up. Even at home, they'll have to deal with uh, a few people named Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and J.C. Jackson and a Patriot team that is hungry to get back to the postseason. Uh, Belichick is uh, only the second coach all time with 20 seasons of 10 or more wins. And the other guy who did it coached the Dolphins. Uh, Don Shula did it uh, on 20 occasions. Also, he coached in Baltimore, too, when he was a much younger man. But, of course, Bill Belichick having stamped his place in NFL history, and he'll be able to uh, – he already has 10 wins this year, so he's already uh, added another line to his record book. And uh, we've, we've said many times, Mac Jones, but the best rookie quarterback in this year's crop, uh, he completed a 22 of 30 last week for 227 and 128.1 rating, which was absolutely amazing. He has nine games, Mac Jones does, completing 70% or more of his passes. That ties an NFL record set by Dak Prescott uh, five years ago. So that you can see the kind of path that Mac Jones is on because Dak Prescott uh, with a few injuries here and there, has had a really fine career. But if Mac Jones can do half of what Dak has done so far, he'll be well on his way to a good career. And I mentioned J.C. Jackson, maybe a bit biased, because he played at the University of Maryland, which is why he doesn't really resonate in the national picture. And when J.C. Jackson came into the league, he was a bit of a penalty machine, committing defensive holding calls, P.I. calls every time I turned around. But he seems to have refined his technique. It's a fine line you walk in the NFL when you cover receivers, uh, playing the ball, playing the man, and trying not to uh, get that flag thrown at you. Of course, that depends on how tight the officiating crews want to call it. But Jackson now has 25 interceptions since entering the league in 2018. He's only the fourth player in the Super Bowl era with at least 25 picks 
in his first four seasons. And listen to the company he's keeping, Everson Walls, Lester Hayes, and Lombardi. So if, uh, if the Dolphins and, and Tua Tagovailoa has uh, any ideas of going deep downfield, J.C. Jackson and his friends in the back end, the McCordys as well, might tend to uh, uh, put the kibosh on that. Of course, I have New England winning this game, Miami. Uh, they, uh, for, like I said, for some reason, they came up very small in Tennessee, got blown off the field 35-3. to They're at home, but Miami's not exactly an intimidating home field environment. New England has it all to play for, possibly a division winner. If they win, they'll get the wild card, so I'll take the Patriots there. Yeah, you have it, uh, Miami 9, uh, similar to last week's performance, uh, or lack thereof, of Miami. Uh, let's stay in the conference. But move out west, the Monday night, uh, excuse me, the Sunday night game. There aren't any Monday night games in the regular season, but you're going to talk a bit about the playoff schedule with the Monday night game that's coming up. But out west on Sunday night, it's uh, those up and down and currently up uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the skinny on that one, Joe. Well, usually when it comes to placing a, a game or, or changing the Sunday night schedule, it's usually done 12 days ahead of time. But for the season's final week, when the schedule's released in May, that final week Sunday night slot is left open because seven days out is when the league picks the final Sunday night game because they want to maximize the playoff spot drama. And uh, you, they, did, they did a very good job here because the winner goes on and the loser goes home. It's an AFC West battle. Of course, Kansas City resurrected itself in time to take the division. As far as taking a wild card spot, it's between these two teams. Like I said, the winner goes on, the loser goes home. And uh, I'm usually not a big believer in fate or cosmic intervention or divine intervention. But let's face it, the Raiders were not forecast to do too much this year, especially after John Gruden resigned in the middle of the year. But let's face it, the Raiders is the franchise coached by the late, great John Madden, and they started their season with a very thrilling home win over the Baltimore Ravens in overtime. And down the stretch, they've gotten a couple of clutch late road game-winning field goals from Daniel Carson, Carlson, uh, Derek Carr, the quarterback, very, very clutch uh, with a ton of uh, come-from-behind wins to his credit. Now, the Chargers, they've been healthier than they've been in recent years. And, of course, Justin Herbert, one of the great young quarterbacks in this league. But I don't know. I have a feeling they're running into a bit of an emotional buzzsaw here. I just think when, when you consider a Derek Carr, the home crowd, Carlson with a field goal at the end, and the spirit of the late, great John Madden, I really think this is a Vegas' game to lose and the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders, not the Oakland Raiders that John Madden made great, but the Vegas Raiders win this final game by the slimmest of margins and go on and take that final playoff spot. Yeah, you know, a lot of people uh, thought the Raiders were uh, finished uh, this season, but they came back strong. We have that game on Vegas 24, Los Angeles 23, slimmest of margins. Uh, let's move on to the next game. And I think, uh, in fact, I know all over Baltimore uh, at Catholic churches, fans are putting their quarters uh, in and lighting candles for the Jacksonville Jaguars to win on Sunday. They're playing the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, why is that, Joe? Well, I'll tell you what, Baltimore is not the only place where they're doing that. Uh, the votive candles are being lit in Pittsburgh as well because both the Ravens and Steelers, uh, they would need the uh, 
quasi impossible for the Jaguars to win this home game against the Colts. But uh, one thing that seems to have gotten by a lot of people, including me, before I started researching this, the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. They've lost six in a row down there. As bad as Jacksonville has been, well, they were good in 2017. But for the most part, Jacksonville has been one of the league's doormats. They, uh, they went for the marquee splash coaching hire uh, with Urban Meyer, even though Urban Meyer uh, has paid little, if any, attention. By his own admission, he's paid very little attention to the NFL through the years. But the owner thought, well, he's a big name. He can help us win. Yeah, that didn't quite work out. And as a result, Trevor Lawrence experienced more losing than he ever has in his entire football life. But uh, for some reason, the Jaguars hold some kind of hoodoo over the Colts whenever they come to Northeast Florida. Uh, I don't really see that happening this time around, which is why both the Ravens and Steelers have about a three or four percent chance to make the playoffs. This is the first domino that has to fall only because this game takes place earlier in the day. Uh, but uh, Carson Wentz, he's battled COVID, he's battled injuries, but he can always hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, who had 114 scrimmage yards and a rushing touchdown last week. And uh, Taylor, uh, he was, uh, what, a second-round pick in last year's draft. And uh, he joins Eric Dickerson and David Johnson as the only players with at least 2,000 scrimmage yards and 20 touchdowns in at least one of their first two seasons in the league. So, Maybe Wentz doesn't have to do that much. Maybe T.Y. Hilton doesn't have to do that much. Jonathan Taylor, definitely an MVP candidate coming out of that great stable of Wisconsin backs. That includes Ron Dane and so many others. Um, a lot of crazy things have happened with scenarios over the years. Uh, teams that have had low percentage chances to make the playoffs have somehow come through. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen this time. Uh, I know the people in Pittsburgh and Baltimore – can hope and pray and scoreboard watch all they want. Matter of fact, Calais Campbell of the Ravens has been texting his old teammates in Jacksonville to kind of help them come through for him. Oh, I'm sure they'll try. There's a lot of professional pride on the line, but uh, I don't see it happening. I see the Colts uh, nailing the coffin shut on both the Steelers and the Ravens and blowing out Jacksonville and getting its first win in Northeast Florida in seven years. Yeah, uh, you have an Indianapolis 35. Uh, the Jaguars six, uh, but we'll keep our fingers crossed uh, and see what happens. Uh, that really brings us to the the last game, uh, the homestanding uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, who will take on uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, as you know, in the winter time, I live down in Florida, and we very rarely see either the Steelers or the Ravens as a feature game. Uh, on Sunday, but this week, uh, folks in Southwest Florida can see that game, uh, and it's clearly about Ben, Big Ben. Uh, you think Baltimore might be able to bounce back and that long losing streak of five games, Joe? So uh, give us your logic on this one. Yeah, five-game losing streak. They At one time, they had the number one seed in the AFC at eight and three, even with a ton of injuries and then COVID set in and then a few uh, controversial two point conversion decisions by head coach, John Harbaugh, all these things have taken the Ravens from eight and three to eight and eight. And as much as uh, the folks in Baltimore are aware of the end of Ben Roethlisberger's career, of course, the beginning of it was in Baltimore when he came in for an injured Tommy Maddox week two in 2004. So he started it, but in Baltimore, he's going to end it in Baltimore. But I think the Ravens fans 
would rather see the Ravens break this long losing streak against the Steelers. There's a bit of deja vu for this. Back in 2007, when the Ravens lost nine in a row, that streak ended on the final week of the season at home against Pittsburgh. So a bit of deja vu coming 14 years later. Although when the Ravens did win that game in 07, Brian Billick was fired the next day. I don't think that's going to happen to John Harbaugh as he continues his uh, climb towards 150 career wins. He has 148 right now. But uh, uh, the the Raven fans, uh, they, they, uh, I think they're in a bit of a, a bit of a dilemma here. They, they want to show the respect to Ben Roethlisberger. Some of them will be cheering. Uh, some of them will definitely be not. The Ravens have a tradition to bring back a legend of the game for every home game this year. And who do they bring back for this one? Terrell Suggs, who sacked Ben Roethlisberger 17 times more than anybody else. So uh, a bit of a sly bit of a scheduling there. Uh, I just think that uh, with the, the, with the Steelers, having given Ben his home send-off last week, beating their real arch rivals, the Cleveland Browns. A lot of emotional energy may have been expended there. Uh, The Steelers have really not been great on the road, even though they've they've won their last three against the Ravens. Still, in their last three road games, the Steelers have been behind at the half by 24 or more points in their last three road games. That's rather astonishing when you consider – how resilient the Steelers have been and how once again, they're going to avoid a losing record under Mike Tomlin. But uh, that was, uh, that was their big night to celebrate Ben and his career in Pittsburgh. It was a a really, really a heartwarming scene for the Baltimore people who remember Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's record. It was kind of similar to that, but I, I just think that the Ravens, they want to end this losing streak. They want to end this losing streak against Pittsburgh and they want to send Ben Roethlisberger out with a loss. I have the Ravens winning this one uh, by six. They've got they've gotten a few of their defensive players back. Tyler Huntley is going to be starting this game because Lamar Jackson and once again not practicing, but Huntley has settled in very very well. I just think the Ravens are going to want to get the bad taste out of their mouth and end the longest losing streak they've had since 2007, once when once again they lost nine in a row and beat Pittsburgh at the end to cap it all off. Yeah, that six point. Uh... Uh, margin, you have at Baltimore 23, Pittsburgh 17. Now a question, Joe. Um, One of our listeners, a friend of mine named Steve, uh, who's a big Steelers fan, grew up there, uh, speculates, no speculation really, uh, we all know he's not coming back. Ben's not coming back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, my friend Steve is not uh, so convinced that we've seen the last, we will have seen the last of Ben Roethlisberger. Do you think there is a possibility that Ben's career may be extended past Sunday to another NFL team? Well, that's uh, with the player movement and uh, teams wanting the quarterbacks, even a stopgap quarterback until they get their own young one. There, there's certainly a possibility for that. Uh, somehow the, the scenes that we saw at Heinz Field, which only opened three years before Ben got into the league, strangely enough, the scenes we saw at Heinz Field, I would think, would preclude Ben going to another team. Um, you, 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 like I said, it reminded me of when Cal Ripken broke Lou Gehrig's record here in Baltimore, uh, taking a victory lap, the the warm, fuzzy shots with his family and his kids. Uh, I, I don't see Ben's body is so beat up. I don't see him going to another team. I mean, he, he's a Rust Belt guy. He's from Ohio. Uh, of course, Pittsburgh, not that far away. Uh, the possibility, Steve, is always there 
that he could go to another team. Nobody ever thought John Unitas would put on a Charger uniform or that Brett Favre would put on a couple other uniforms. So, yeah, I would say just for, you know, just for the, the sake of the climate of today's NFL, there would be, a, I'd say, a 10 to 15 percent chance Ben would play for another team. But realistically, uh, I really don't see that happening. I see it uh, ending right here uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in one final game against uh, uh, his heated, his most heated rival in, in recent years. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you and I have talked more than once, many times, actually, uh, admiring how the NFL goes about its business on the business side. Uh, and you talked earlier about how they um, have positioned that in or out game on Sunday night uh, between Las Vegas and uh, the Chargers. Uh, but I know there's one thing you do not like, and that is having playoff games being played on Monday night. And that's going to happen this year. Uh, why do you think it's happening? That may be a, 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 you know, a slow pitch to you because I think we know what the answer is. But why do you think it's happening and uh, what issues do you have with it? Well, just change for change's sake. The superficial society uh, is dissatisfied much more easily these days if something happens that they don't like or if there's something happening that they would like to see happen. Uh, you know, it has an insatiable appetite for football, which is fine. I have it. You have it. Everybody has it. It's just that uh, the traditional playoff schedule uh, worked just fine for me, uh, for one thing. And for another thing, if, uh, you know, a playoff team, you know, they get to play again while the loser goes home. And whoever wins that Monday night playoff game, and we don't know who's going to get slotted in there just yet, they're going to be working on a short week. I mean, it's tough enough to do during the regular season, but to advance your season with the season on the line in the postseason, we're losing your out and, and you and you have a short week in, in the middle of the postseason. It just, it just doesn't seem right to me to, to play a game on Monday and then to, has, to possibly play the following Sunday or even the following Saturday. Uh, they might do that just in the name of a TV exposure and TV revenue. Uh, it, it just, it just this, for the superficial society to keep craving change and to keep getting change for change's sake, uh, I just don't think it's right. Uh, the overtime rule is always getting tampered with. All sorts of rules are always getting tampered with in order to increase scoring, to increase the, uh, the, the, the television viability of the game of football, which I think has already been proven over the last few decades. But, uh, you know, moving the extra point back, all these other tinkerings, that the NFL has to do, but to, to have a team play on a short week during the playoffs, that's something I never even thought could happen. It wasn't even on my radar, but it's going to happen. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it, it just goes against my more old school, traditional way of thinking. And, but for those, uh, those younger folks who love football, they love playing their da daily fantasy and, you know, betting on things. And these are things I'm not into, but, I admit I'm in the minority. A lot of people love it. So it's going to happen this year and it's going to happen for years to come because let's face it, once the, uh, once the horse is out of the barn, it's tough to get him back in. Thanks, Joe. Let's do a summary of your five picks for this week, as we always do each week at the end of the program. Uh, you started off by picking Buffalo over the Jets, 16 to 7, New England 33, Miami 9, Las Vegas, 24, the Chargers, 23 in the Sunday night game. Indianapolis, 35, Jacksonville, 6. And finally, Baltimore beating Pittsburgh, 23-7. to 7. 
Well, we want to thank you uh, for being with us during the regular season. Um, 20 plus programs since we started this season one, and we look forward to being with you again next week as we move into the playoffs. For Joe Platania, this is Frank Fear, and as we always say, be a good sport. Until next time, take care, everyone. A tug of war, 22 nameless men grappling in the mud. They called it pro football.